When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Join Jessica Smith on the Like a Girl podcast, where she defies odds, shares inspiring stories, and empowers women to embrace their inner leaders. Tune in for a transformative journey. So I have in the back of my mind that I know that something in this relationship, that there's something there that I'm just not comfortable with. There's there's a trigger there that reminds me of my childhood trauma of my mom drinking. But I'm telling myself, this is it. I mean, this is where you're at. You're here. There's no turning back now. We're having this baby. And in my heart, I know that this is a good man. And I mean, we've, we've, we've been in this now for a few years. And if I'm being honest, like if, if we were really honest with, our, with ourselves and we're in relationships, I knew every relationship that was not good for me, every person that was not good for me, it did not take me long to know this is not the one. This person is not good and not good for you. So I always knew it was just a matter of like, how the hell do I get out of here? But the time that I have spent in this relationship and now in this marriage, I know that this is different. First time that I knew without a shadow of a doubt. This man is good. But there's just this one thing, this one thing. And I don't know how many people, right? Because we know there's no one that's perfect, but how many people can say that I may not have the perfect man, but it's just this one thing. If I can just fix this one thing. And I think that was my biggest struggle is that because I have been able to help so many people along my journey and be there for friends and families and strangers, that I just feel like there's no way I can't fix this. Like I can help everybody. I can help anybody. I know I, know I can fix this. So the only place that I really could find excitement and comfort in the situation is knowing that God is blessing me with my little girl, that my baby girl Hayden is going to be here. And that's really where I found 
all of my joy and excitement in the entire situation because otherwise I just, I just felt helpless. I don't know how to help him. And I remember counting the days until we could actually get an ultrasound. And Will knew that I was so excited and just could not wait to be able to do that. So we found one of those 3D ultrasound places in San Jose where you set up this appointment and it's like this whole thing. Up until then, never heard of such a thing in my life. So you go and they just do this whole, uh, like a like a gender reveal, but in an ultrasound setting at like a clinic. So I remember just being so excited. Again, I already knew. I just knew. I've never known. I've never been any more sure of anything in my life. I knew that all of this, there is just no way that God would take me on this journey and I wouldn't get what I've wanted so bad. And I remember walking in, we go into this room, they lay you on this bed, they turn the lights off, they have these like these mood lights, they have the big screen, like again, it's it's a whole thing. Music playing. They put the stuff on my stomach. The woman goes to. All I know is that it was like a whole production. And I just remember thinking, oh my God, just get on with it. I just, just, just tell me. And it just seemed like it took the longest time for her to say, congratulations. You're having a baby boy. And I swear in my mind, in my head, it was lights out. I'm like, wait, what? She says, yes, you're having a boy. And I said, stop, stop. I like jumped off the table, turn on the lights. Turn on the lights. And I look at Will and I'm like, you have to be kidding me. I don't know. Maybe I maybe I F-bomb. Maybe I said, I don't know. I, I, I very well could have. I was, I was mad. Um, I ran out of that place. I'm like, unlock the freaking door. I looked at him. He was... So embarrassed. I, I I can't even tell you what I said, how I said it. I just remember, stop the production. Turn on the freaking lights. I'm out of here. I can't even believe that this is happening right now. Now, 
I tell people all the time, I have never questioned God. I have never been upset with God. But I would say if I were, that was the closest moment ever, seriously. And there's been times that I have felt that I've been left for dead and I didn't question God. This time, that was the closest. I I, I don't remember saying like, Lord, you play too much, but I felt that. And I remember Will unlocked the door. I got in the car. I'm sitting in the car by myself because he had to go back in and of course, you know, apologize and get our little folder and whatever else that he had to do. But when he got back in the car, I was just bawling. I was just crying. I'm like, this is not happening. All of this, all at at this point, I, I think I've gained over a hundred pounds. That alone, I'm like, what? For another boy? I know that sounds bad. That's how I felt. Three boys? Another boy? We got home and I got in the bed and I just cried and I cried more and I cried and I might have even said, this is your fault. I felt that right every every man wants a son of their own and I've just felt like you know while while you were praying for a baby you were probably praying for a son so God answered your prayers and I don't know how I'm sure I didn't stay in that bed crying too many days because chances are I had to get up and go to work the next day. Might have had to go back to work that day. So, you know, that's another thing that I just feel like when I think about just being sad and being depressed, just being like I never had time to allow myself to participate in a lot of that stuff because I had to go to work. I had to be successful. They were people depending on me. People needed me. I didn't have time to be depressed and to sit in my feelings and just didn't have time. So I got over it. And, you know, somewhere I had told myself when Will went to jail and he did that six months and I'm like, okay, this is it. This is going to change him. This was his wake up call. And it wasn't. Did that experience impact him? Of course. Did it change him? Did it grow him? Yes. But I thought that he would get home and never want to take a drink again. And listen, during that time, even though, you know, I, I might have said to him, I'm not waiting for you. I'm not going to see you. I've been there and done that. But really, 
my heart was still in it. And I was focused on really myself because his drinking was not the problem of our relationship. You know, a lot of that was on me and I take responsibility and I had the opportunity to really sit back and reflect within that time as well. And me not trusting him, me being insecure, me being, you know, crazy, checking his wallet and his phone, his pants, like that was all on me. And I had to deal with that between me and God. And what I experienced in that time is that I was alone and it hit me and I thought about it. I'm like, oh my God, I can remember having my first boyfriend at 10 or 11 years old. And when I actually sat back and reflected on this, it's like I'd never not had a boyfriend or someone or whatever it was. There was always someone there. And it was a distraction because there were things about myself that I didn't like. And the more I was distracted with other people, particularly people that were worse off than me, I really couldn't see those things. So I really went into a time of reflection. I did a lot of, you know, praying and meditating during that time and You know, when I thought about just the craziness that I put him through because I didn't trust him or I didn't, I really, I didn't trust myself. And it hit me one day when I was just laying in bed and I was thinking about just like, wow, when am I ever going to be? in a relationship and know what it's like to really have a partner, to live life with a partner. And I started kind of just thinking back to all of my relationships and all the shit that I had been through and all the cheating and the lying and the deceit and just the craziness. And something came over me and thought, all those times that you caught someone cheating more times than not, it wasn't because you check their phone. It was, as I've talked about before, it was just crazy, supernatural revealing of these things. So I I really, I know six months doesn't seem like a long time, but I spent a lot of time being intentional about working on myself and asking myself if that's the way I want to live. And I had to choose how I wanted to live. And it wasn't about how the other person treated me. It was about how I treated myself and what I allowed someone to do. So I didn't understand why it wasn't just that simple that he wasn't so impacted where He came home and said, okay, I'm done. Now, initially he did, but then it went from, well, no one else can tell me that I have a problem. 
it has to be me. And I don't see it that way. Okay. And then it was, all right, well, I've decided that I'm not going to drink hard liquor. Okay. That didn't last long. And then it was just back to business as usual. So, fast forward, Hayden is born. And again, I'm thinking, this is it. This is it, Lord. I know that when he sees that you have answered his prayers and he sees and holds his child in his arms, he's never going to want to drink again. That's what I thought. And of course, I got over the fact that I was having another boy and really had to ask God for forgiveness just for the anger and how upset and disappointed that I was when here's the thing, he knows best. And even as Hayden stands 10 years old today and a 19-year-old and a 29-year-old, I'm like, God knew better. And when I experience the things and hear about and witness what my sisters and other family and friends have gone through with their daughters, he knows best. They were made for that. I was not. And so somewhere I knew I was able to really let God deal with me on that note. And he showed me and he told me, I know best. I know what you wanted, but I know best. And so there's, 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 there's lots of that in my story because we want what we want and we want what we ask for, but he knows what we need and what we don't need. And he knew that I was made to be a boy mom for sure. So my thing with Will was just every chance I got, I explained to him that I believed very clearly that there are generational curses. And it's not coincidence. Come on, guys. We know when we look at this thing and we say, okay, my mother was an alcoholic. Her father was an alcoholic. Her sister is an alcoholic. This is not a coincidence. There are things, and it's not just drugs and alcohol. There are many things that are generational curses. There are things that are in our bloodline. And I used to tell Will, we got one shot. There is one reason 
And one reason only that I made the conscious decision to always say no when it came to experimenting with drugs like crack or cocaine. And I just knew that had I not made that decision, that I would be willingly passing that on to my baby. And I thank God all the stupid things that I did and said and thought, that wasn't one of them. And if it wasn't for me being a mother at 15 years old, I don't know that I would have still made that decision for myself. I don't know if I cared more about myself than I did my baby. That was the way that I thought. That was my thought process. And I wanted him to see that if you do not make this decision to break this curse right here with you, you have willingly passed it on to your son. How can you live like that? Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not stupid. I understand that that doesn't mean that our children will not go down that road. But I believe that those chances are a hell of a lot higher when we choose to give it to them. When we choose for that to be normal in what they see every day, or maybe not every day, but it's just normal. And I didn't understand why. And I would nag, and I would cuss, and I would yell. Nothing I said was working. So, again, Hayden is here. For the most part, things are great. We are working together. Every year we are growing. God is blessing us. I am just seeing us just grow and develop into this great, strong family. But it's like this dark cloud hanging over his head and I like to control and I justify my control because it's for good, for everybody's good. I know what you're supposed to do. This will make it better. Just do it. So I'm at my wit's end because I feel like I'm fighting for my family. I'm fighting for my husband. I'm fighting for my children. And nothing I'm saying and nothing I'm doing is working. And am I just too hard on this guy? And there's no such thing as a perfect husband. And maybe I should just let it be. So I know I talked about before that We have always been a family of, I pray, I read my word, I go to church, 
we get there, we leave. I don't want to really, I don't want to make new friends. And I damn sure don't want to make new friends with church people because they're judgy. And I cuss sometimes a lot. And I just, I don't have time. I don't want anybody in my business. I don't want to talk to anybody about my business. I don't want to pray with other people because that would require to talk about my business. But there was this time where I just didn't know what else to do. And I can't even tell you if I want to say that I just called Pastor Paul's church. He was our pastor in California at the time. And I didn't know him. He didn't know me. I mean, he he married us. He baptized all of our kids. But um, it was a big church. I didn't know him like that. Didn't want to know him like that. And I want to say that I called the church and I said, I'm calling because I'd like to ask Pastor Paul to pray for my family. And it was Pastor Paul's wife, Gwen, who had answered the phone that day. And she said, all right, let me take your information down. And so she took my information down and she said, what would you like the pastor to pray about anything in particular? And I'm like, uh, well, just to pray for my family. She said, okay, well, is, is there, is there anything that we could be specific because God's word says that you want to be specific in your prayer. And in that moment, I said it for the first time out loud to someone else other than him. And I said, I think that my husband has a problem with drinking. I believe that It is a generational curse in his family and in mine. And I just want to save my sons. And she said, can I pray with you right now? And I said, absolutely. And she prayed with me. And at the end, she said, I just need you to do one thing. One thing. And I said, yeah. And she said, stop nagging your husband. Stop talking to him about it. Because there is nothing you can do. As a matter of fact, 
God wants you to know that he don't need your help. He's got this. Do you believe? Do you have faith that he can take this thing from your husband? I said, oh my God. I said, I don't have time to tell you my whole life story. But I have faith and I do believe and I know he can. And she said, all right, it's done. So maybe, I don't know, um, a month or so later, she sent me an email and she reassured me that it was coming. She said that her and her mother had been diligently praying for me, for my family, for my husband, for my children, and just keep having faith. And one thing that I remembered just reading that email is I knew without a shadow of a doubt that it was going to happen. I didn't know when. I didn't know how, but I knew that it was going to happen. There was this like peace, this warm peace that just like reminds you of you're a little kid and you're, you're afraid and you're mom or dad just hugs you and in that moment you're like I'm good everything's okay and that's what I felt and I'm just so thankful that I reached out despite my beliefs despite the lies that I had created in my own head about whatever or whoever, but I asked for help. Because for me, that's hard. It's tough. Because asking for help has always been a a sign of weakness. And I'm not weak. Thank you for tuning in to another insightful episode of Lead Like a Girl. We hope you found today's podcast valuable. If you enjoyed our podcast, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on your preferred platform. Your feedback is crucial in helping us continue to provide high quality content. If you found the content inspiring, we would like to encourage you to share this podcast with your network. 
Stay tuned for more inspiring stories and leadership insights on Lead Like a Girl. Until next time, lead with passion and purpose.